0: Are you ready? Starting now?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. well, now you just messed it up, you know. God, you know that the shit
2: that we go through for this, huh? I know. <laughs> fuckers, fuckers better appreciate it. When we started, we were just like, yeah, we're just going to do this, man. You know, shoot our wad into the wind and see what happens. <laughs> <clears throat> What's right. the title of this oh. podcast
0: again? I don't know. I'm just—I don't know. Something with a penis, I guess.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> Our fucking faces are everywhere now.
2: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> you know, but
2: you're but welcome, ladies.
0: Fucking, <laughs> right. Popular with the ladies. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, I'm not even going to apologize because I hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, it sounds fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really. This is this is fucking explicit now.
2: <laughs> ah the explicit button let me use my finger
0: it is time for another episode of sober not mature and that episode starts now All right, everyone. Welcome once again to another episode of Sober, Not Mature. And we actually—it's uh, no longer just Mike and I, for as it was last week. We actually have a guest on with us again. Uh, if you've been following us on Instagram, you probably know who it is. Uh, his name is Tim. I'll let you let him introduce himself here in a minute. But um, yeah, we actually have a, a full slate of guests for the entire month of October. So um, our, our calendar is packed, as they say, right, Mike? <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: Something's <laughs> packed. Right. <laughs> exactly. We're going to leave that one alone for the moment. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, Tim, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. If you want to, even to start off, uh, you know, give your sobriety date. We'll start off with that. If you want to say where you're from or anything like that, that's cool. But let's at least get the introductions out of the way, okay?
3: Absolutely. Uh, I just want to say thank you for letting me uh, come on here and share with your audience. And uh, my name is Tim Lodgen. I'm born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, 46 <laughs> years old. And my sobriety date is March 5th. 2021 i just celebrated 19 months uh what two days ago today's the seventh yes two days ago after 27 years
0: awesome perfect well um and you're welcome and thank you for you know obviously reaching out to us and uh you know agreeing to come on um you know we've been having guests now for a couple of months so it's a it's a newish thing for us but uh and i know michael agreed too. we've had some fun you know so far yep a couple of episodes uh that we've done in between that where it's just been him and I, but uh, God, what was it? The first, I think it was the first 23 or 24 episodes that we did of this thing. Uh, we're just a yep. two of us uh, yipping and yapping. And then people started contacting us and saying, Hey, we'd kind of like to be on. And we're like, Hmm, that might be interesting. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had to get uh, better software. We were just recording through Anchor before, so that wasn't uh, that wasn't real good for having people on. But uh, once again, thank you. We appreciate you coming on. In um, Mike, you want to give him kind of a brief rundown of uh, what our and I'm gonna uh, first air quote of the
2: day format is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, basically, um, we don't give a shit about, uh, getting loaded cause we know how to do that. We also know how to, uh, ruin our lives and ruin the lives of everyone around us. Um, we're interested in the solution. Um, clearly, you know, uh, the big book talks about, you know, tell them what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. Um, and we're more interested in what it's like now. Um, you know, certainly feel free to qualify a bit. Because you know we want to make sure you're one of us, but uh, other than that, man, we want we, we want to know what you're doing today to stay sober, basically.
3: No, that that's awesome, man. I, I usually uh, go through my whole story, and uh, I only talk about a little bit about how I stay sober and what do I do in recovery. So this is perfect. I'll I'll touch on <laughs> a little bit so to tell you my qualifications because it's right, it's pretty good. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Most of us are. Yes, I'll start, you know, I grew up in a normal family. No drugs or alcohol in my house. My father was a police officer. My mother actually was a professional bodybuilder. So Hmm. there was nothing in my house. There was no liquor in the cabinets, no drugs around. Um, I was never around it as a child. I played multiple sports throughout my life. And um, I actually uh, was a very, very good uh, skateboarder here in Baltimore, Maryland. I was sponsored by a bunch of local companies. Um, I grew up with, uh, Brandon Novak from Jackass and, um, <laughs> really, I, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I skated with him almost every single day and I got to skate with Bucky Lacing a couple times. And so that was pretty cool. And then, uh, middle school, I became a junior Olympic and golden glove boxing champion. Um, so again, no drugs, no alcohol. I got into high school and, um, my ninth grade year, I went to a party and that was the first time I tried alcohol. And I got completely sick. Uh, I was thrown up the next day, the whole hangover, and my mom knew I drank, but she didn't punish me. She said, your whole weekend's ruined, and Mm -hmm. that's going to be your punishment. hope you don't do it again. And honestly, I didn't touch alcohol again until my senior year. My summer before senior year, I signed up for United States Marine Corps. So when senior year came around, I figured, you know what, I'm going to have some fun this year and go to some parties and just... You know, pretty much get it out of my system because when <laughs> at the end of the, at the end of the year, you know, shit's gonna hit the fan and and, and it's gonna get real. So, mm-hmm. my senior year, I started going to parties, started drinking, and for me, once I started drinking, I was the guy that was uh, what else is at this party because I want to try it. Right, and, and um, I started smoking pot, started doing LSD, started eating mushrooms, painkillers, uh, started smoking PCP. Um, thank God. There was no heroin or cocaine around at that time because I definitely Mm would have done it. I I was just, as soon as I got alcohol in my system, it didn't matter what was there. I was doing it. And, uh, you know, at the end of the school year, I went into the Marine Corps and the drugs did stop. Um, Mm -hmm. The drugs 100% stopped. But once I graduated boot camp (laughs) and I got (laughs) stationed at Camp uh, Geiger for my uh, SOI training, when we got done at 4 o'clock, we went to the bars and the strip clubs.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I, I've never heard, yeah, Marines
3: tend to drink a little bit just a, just a little bit and, um, <laughs> you know it's it's the 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 bars and shrimp clubs around the base, their motto was, if you're old enough to take a bullet for the country, you're old enough to have a cold beer mm-hmm. so at 18, nineteen, 20 years old, they served us no problems right and and we would see our sergeants at these same bars you know late mm-hmm. 20 early 30 year old men, and they would just simply say, make sure your ass is up at 3.30, make sure you're at formation at 4 and ready to go running at 4.30. Don't get in trouble, don't get locked up, and make sure your ass is up. So there was no deterrent as young men to not drink. Mm-hmm. It was almost a badge of honor to see how much could you drink and still get up at 3.30 and still go run five miles.
1: <laughs> right. And
3: we would throw up during the run, but we would, just as long as we finished it, right? that was it. So it kind of was that that's how it was for the for the next two and a half years for me um i did two and a half out of four um the last six months of my enlistment we actually went to somalia for six months and uh this was after the war but i got to see the ramifications of what uh, war did to a third world country and its people Mm -hmm. and um i i saw a lot of things over there that that really fucked me up to be honest with you when I got back, I didn't think it really messed me up, but my drinking got worse, and uh, I ended up falling in a hole running to the head one night, and uh, broke my ankle, and it was so severely broken that they said, look, you have to get uh, surgery, mm-hmm. and I said, I don't want surgery, I didn't trust the Navy doctors, I'm like, I'm not getting surgery, they're like, well, you have to change your MOS, because I was 0311 infantry, and they said you can't continue to do your MOS with your ankle like that. And I said, well, I'm, I don't want to change MOS. This is what I signed up for. I want to be in the infantry. If I can't be in the infantry, then um, I don't want to be in the Marines anymore. And they said, okay, well, we'll give you honorable discharge and send you on your way. And that was that was my career in the Marine Corps—two and a half years. All right. When I got home, the first month was awesome. I didn't have to get up at 3.30, I didn't have to go running, I didn't have to (laughs) shave, I didn't have my hair cut, I didn't have to wear a uniform. (laughs) First month was great. The second month, I I, kind of got that, oh shit, um, I got to get a job, I got to get a vehicle, I got to start paying my mom some rent because I moved back into my mother's house. Mm -hmm. The third month came and I got severely depressed. Um, I stopped showering, I stopped shaving, I didn't want to leave my bedroom. Um, I was drinking every day and I started smoking pot and taking painkillers again because now I don't have any drug tests to, to pass. Right. And I found myself in my bedroom one day just just lost. I'm like, what's my purpose? You know, I, I'm not. I'm no longer in the military. I don't have a damn job. I don't have a vehicle. I'm a piece of shit. I'm living in my mom's house. And uh, I go in my stepfather's arm one day and I grab his gun and I sit it on my lap. And I'm sitting there looking at it and I'm contemplating using it. Luckily, at that time, I had the right mind to, to call my girlfriend, and I said, hey, I'm sitting here staring at a gun. I don't know what I'm doing. She uh, came over to my house within five minutes and took the gun from me. I told my mother that night when she came home, mom, there, there's something wrong. I'm, I'm not I'm not me. Something's going on. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell her I had my stepfather's gun in my lap. She would have flipped that yeah. right and, and right. had me committed. And, but what she did do was make some uh, appointments to the doctors, and I got in there. Diagnosed me with bipolar one manic depressive disorder, and uh, this is 1995. PTSD was not a thing that it is today. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, I, I know the government knew that something you know, basically when you get discharged, they, they give you your papers and say, Here's the number to the local VA, contact them yourself, have a good day, take care. That's it, right? Right? Um, so, um, when I came home, I went to the doctors that diagnosed me, and the first thing that they wanted to do was put me on medicine. Sure. Now, I, I want to. The reason I say that is if you are suffering from a mental illness and, and the doctors want to put you on medicine, be honest with them. I mm-hmm. was not honest. I was drinking drug and drugging, and the medicines that they were putting me on were not working. And, and this shit went on from the age of 21 all the way up to the age of 44 So I went into rehab. I would go on medicine, off medicine, up dosages. They would change the cocktails. But nothing would ever seem to work because I was using drugs and drinking. So it didn't matter what cocktails they put me on. The shit was not going to work. Um, So if you are getting put on medicine, please be honest with them because it's a long, long road of me thinking I was crazy. Thinking, well, you know, what the hell is wrong with me and why isn't the medicines working? When the truth of the the matter is I was drinking and drugging. I didn't want to admit that that was the problem.
0: Mm-hmm. that sounds uh, yeah. that sounds relatively familiar to the two of us Yeah, <laughs> yes, there's, there's
3: no way that's the problem you know that can't right. be the problem right, right. um it had, it's got to be the medicine so um I, you know, I met my wife we had our first kid our second kid and then um i was i was doing okay as far as jobs go um i wouldn't keep a job longer than six months mm-hmm. um i just between the mental illness and my drugging and drinking um I would just lose jobs, man. Like it was like like that was my job to lose jobs. <laughs> and and um, by the time I got to thirty two, I literally have gone through like thirty-seven employments from the age of twenty one to, to thirty-two. Damn. And my wife was like, What's what's, what's going on? I um, I'm like, I don't know, I just I can't hold a job. I'm I'm missing something, like I just don't have any self confidence, any self worth. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? I said, I really miss sports. I really miss competing. I really mm-hmm. miss how that made me feel. And she said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I, I, I want to do mixed martial arts. I said, I, I miss competing. I miss, you know, combat sports. And she said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll give you one year. If you can get in there, get training, and get some fights and make some money at this, then you can do that. After one year, if you're not making any money, you got to let it go and you got to go get a job. We have two kids to support i right. like, okay, so uh, I went and started training. Within six months, I had my first fight, um, and that one year turned into three years of me fighting up and down the East Coast, Philadelphia, New Jersey, Baltimore, Virginia. Um, and I, I, was making, I wasn't making that much money. I was making 1500 bucks a fight because they were all local fights. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, was, I had self-confidence back. I, I felt like I was doing something with my life. And I have to be honest. There's no drug or drink that I've ever put in my body that compared to that euphoria of coming out of the locker room with the lights going on and the music and the people screaming and, and it's a packed house. That feeling of coming out, feeling like fucking Superman, is is, is never been <laughs> never been unmatched. It's just it one of the craziest, coolest feelings I've ever I've ever experienced. And when that mm-hmm. cage locks behind you. And you're looking at that guy, and you're like, "Okay, motherfucker, this is it. Like, it, it's you or me. We got 15 minutes in here together. We'll see what happens." That 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 feeling is uh, is is unreal. Hmm. So, um, 35. I'm on my last fight, and I'm putting a guy in a rear naked choke, and I and I feel something pop in my shoulder, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" The fight ends. I go back into the locker room, and I can't lift my arm, and the trainer had to put my shirt on me. And when I go out to the uh, through the auditorium and my wife's there and 30 of my friends are there she hands me a beer and I go to grab it with my left hand and she's like why didn't you grab it with your right hand I'm like I I can't lift my arm and she's like you got to be shitting me I was like no she's like okay you're done she's like that's it she's like, like we'll go to the doctors and see what happens so that next week I go to the doctors and I tore my labrum in three places I had to have emergency rotator cuff surgery that started a four and a half year addiction to opioids prescribed to mm-hmm. me from my doctor. Right. And um, on top of that, I, I was drinking 12 to 18 beers a day. So my doctor right. was giving me ox, or he started up with hydrocodones. I'd go back after 30, 60 days and he'd ask me how I was feeling. Oh, I'm still hurting. <laughs> okay. <of them. laughs> Let's put you on Percocets, and we'll up the dosage to 10 milligrams. Go back after thirty, sixty days. How you feeling? I don't know, Doc. I'm still in pain. Okay, <laughs> well, uh, we're going to just go put you on some Oxycontin 20 milligrams. That should do the trick. So I was on Oxycontin 20 milligrams, and like every good addict, I wasn't taking one every four hours. I was, I was taking two to three every four hours, mm. finishing my prescription two weeks before the doctor had to refill it and had to call right. my friends to get the shit off the streets to to hold me over till my doctor filled my script and uh, I found myself one day in my bedroom and I'm sitting on the edge of the bed and I'm, I'm scared I'm like man I'm, I, I'm taking 8 to 10 20 milligram oxys I'm drinking 12 to 18 beers a day I'm gonna fucking die one night when I go to sleep yeah, all right. this, is, yep. this is how people die and my addiction steps in my mental illness steps in and says well if you're gonna die you might as well do it your damn self and, and I reached over on my armoire and I opened up my pill bottle, and I put a, poured them in my hand. I had 18 Oxycontins. I took all 18 of them. And uh, I went into the living room, and I cracked open a 12-pack of beer, and I guzzled all 12 of them within 45 minutes. Damn. And, and I go into my bedroom, and I lay on my bed, and I said, Please, God, don't let me wake up, because I don't want to live this way anymore, and I just want the pain to stop. I don't right. know how to make it stop. And I pass out. And I wake up the next morning and I don't know why.
1: <laughs> and, uh,
3: I go into the bathroom and I have my refill there on the counter and I open it up and I dump all 30 of them into the toilet. And I remember telling myself, I don't care how bad this gets, I'm never taking pain pills again. And for the next 10 days, I was probably the sickest I think I've ever been in my entire life. Sure. Um, you know, the whole gambit of coming off the opioids after four years. Yeah, and after those ten days, you um, know, I, I, I'm still lost. I still don't know what I'm gonna do, and I'm I'm unemployed, and I decide, you know what, I, I need to go take a ride and clear my head and and try to figure this shit out because I was able to stop the pain pills, but I'm still drinking and I'm still smoking pot, and mm-hmm. I just needed to kind of just clear my head. So I get in my truck and I'm driving through this park, and I'm banging on the steering wheel and I'm crying and I'm yelling up at the sky. You know what? What the hell? Why'd I live? You know. What do you, what do you, what's your plan for me? Because to be honest with you, I had no faith that there was something called a higher power or God or, or anything. Because to me, if there was something out there that loved me and created me, why would he let me suffer so bad? So I have really had no faith at that point. I'm driving through this park and I get to this tree where my senior year of high school, my best friend lost control of his vehicle and hit the tree and unfortunately lost his life at the age of 18. And I get out of my truck and I go up to the tree. And I'm like, Bill, I-, I need a sign, man. Like, I'm alone, I'm lost, I don't know why I'm here. I-, I just need to know that there's something else out there besides me, because I really don't know my purpose in life. I-, I just, I'm I'm lost, man. I love you, can you please just send me a sign? And I get in my truck and I go to leave the park. And as I'm leaving, I'm crying and I'm, I'm fucking snotting everywhere and I can't see. Hmm. So I pull over to the side of the road, but I, I don't pull over on the right-hand side the way I'm supposed to be leaving. I pull over on oncoming traffic and park my truck. And about 10 minutes, goes by, and this car pulls up, and we're, we're hood to hood because I'm on the opposite side of the road. And I see this man get out of his vehicle, and he opens a back door, and he gets his dog. He's about to go walk over by the park and, and walk his dog. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, man, that guy looks familiar. And I'm like, holy shit. That was my best friend. It was his father. And I hadn't seen him since December 27th, 1996. Hmm. This is March 16th, 2017, 21 years later. And I get out of my truck and I I say, Mr. Bill, is that you? And he looks at me and he goes, Timmy, what's wrong? And and I fall to the curb and I'm crying. I'm like, I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. I, I, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no purpose in life. And he comes over to him and he puts his hand on my shoulder. And he says, Tim, I'm not supposed to be here this morning. I'm supposed to be in North Carolina at a family reunion trip. I was supposed to leave at 6 a.m. this morning. My bags are packed in my truck. My wife came to me in a dream last night and told me to come walk my dog this morning at 10 a.m. And I said, Mr. Bill, I just stopped at Billy's Tree and asked him for a sign that I wasn't alone, that something else was out there. And we Mm. hugged and he said, I think I was here to to see you. And I said, yes, sir. And I leave the park and I got about 10 minutes to where I'm like, oh, cool. You know, everything's going to be all right. I'm being Mm. watched over. I'm being protected. You know, nothing's going to happen to me. You know, I'm good to go. And my mental illness and addiction steps in and says, you know what? You are good to go. Everything is going to be all right. Nothing's going to happen to you. So you don't have to stop drinking because you're being protected.
2: <laughs> right.
3: Because it's cunning and baffling, and, and it tells right. us shit that we don't want to hear. And um, yep. and we listen to it. So mm. for the next four years, from 2017 to 2021, I drank the most alcohol I've ever drank in my entire life. Beer wasn't enough. I, um, <laughs> I had a smart idea of switching over to Fireball Whiskey because I figured, you mm. know, that would be a better a better option because 12 and 18 beers that's a lot of that's a lot to drink to get where i wanted to be <laughs> right oh yeah but, but I, I could drink some whiskey and and shoot some of those those miniatures down and within five or six i'm feeling all right you know it gave me that uh that warm blanket feeling that the that the pain pills used to give me mm-hmm. so i'd start out with four or five of them and still pick up my 12 pack and then i finally threw the beer to the side and in the mornings, I'd get up and go to work, and I'd stop at the liquor store, and I'd get uh, a sleeve of miniatures. and that, That's 10 of them. And um, yep. i drink all 10 of them by 1 o'clock. I'd finish my shift at 3.30, stop right at the liquor store, and get 10 more on my ride home to work. I mean, ride home. And uh, I'd get home and finish all 10 of them by 8 o'clock, 8.30 sometimes. And if I was feeling really good, I'd get back in my truck and go get 10 more. Right. And, and, and it's funny because... Uh, I never bought a big bottle and my my addiction told me don't buy a big bottle because then you would know exactly how much liquor you're drinking throughout the day (laughs) you would be accountable (laughs) you would know exactly but those little miniatures man you can drink them and throw them out your window while you're driving you can hide them in your sock drawer your medicine (laughs) cabinet you can hide them anywhere and the good thing is the wife wouldn't find them and she wouldn't know exactly how much you were drinking
1: Mm
3: -hmm. right yeah so um and I get to the end of, right before I get into rehab, um, I get a brand new truck and I'm driving to the liquor store to pick up my miniatures. I'm coming home and I hit something. And um, I, I still, to this day, have no idea what I hit. I don't know if it was a parked car, a, a street sign, a, a concrete barrier. I have no idea. But I walk in the front door and I'm like, I, I, I just wrecked my truck. I'm going to sleep. And I go to sleep and I wake up the next day like every every good alcoholic. Hey, good morning, babe. How you doing? Um, I'm going to go to the grocery store and pick up some milk and bread. Do you need anything for breakfast? And she just looks at me and says, how are you going to do that? And I say, <laughs> am, I, am I brand new truck in the driveway? Right. She's like, go outside <laughs> and look at your truck. And I go outside and my side passenger mirror is completely missing off the truck. And my front passenger right tire is up underneath in my bumper. I literally don't know how I drove it home. And I'm sitting there looking at it, and she looks out the window and she says, uh, "You have no idea what you hit, do you?" I said, "No." She said, "Tim, you could have killed yourself or somebody last night. You right. you can't stay here anymore. You you have to leave and go figure this out. But um, I don't want you with, I don't want you here with the girls anymore. Mm-hmm. Enough's enough. You got to go figure this out." So, I called AAA. They put my my spare tire on. I said, "Fuck the the side view mirror. I don't need it." <laughs> and uh, I called my buddy. I'm like, "Hey, man." Let me come over to your house for a couple of days, you know, let shit blow over, you know, in a couple of days, she'll forget about this and let me back
1: mm-hmm. in, you know,
3: just let, let it, let it blow over. And he's like, sure, buddy, come on over. So I go to his house and he's like, well, your, your wife just kicked you out and uh, got nothing else to do, man. We might as well go to the bar. And I'm like, you know what? That's a hell of an idea, because now I I got a reason to drink, because my wife just (laughs) got me out, man. More more justification. (laughs) I have a justified reason to go to the bar, absolutely. (laughs) So uh, I go to the bar, I get shit-faced, and less than 12 hours later, as I'm leaving a bar with my buddy, I rear-end the car at a fucking red light. And uh, I get out, and I look at the guy. It was a truck, sorry. I get out, and I look at the guy, and he had a tow hitch on his truck, so his truck actually was fine but the front of my front of my bumper was all feed in and um i'm like are you okay man he said yep i said your truck's okay you're okay i'm out of here i slapped him on his back <laughs> and i took off right, right. i knew i was oh, i was going to jail I, I was drunk and uh i get back to my buddy's house and i'm like dude i, I gotta go be by myself I, I just i can't stay here so i leave his house stop at the liquor store get myself 10 more miniatures mm-hmm. and i go and park at a a parking ride where people park for the day and jump on a train and go to work or whatever and i turn my phone off i'm like i don't want to hear nobody's shit. i want to be by myself i want to drink and pass out and not not worry about the world and uh turn my radio on to listen to sad ass music for 48 hours (laughs) and and did the whole i'm a piece of shit. my my kids deserve a better father My, my wife deserves a better husband my parents deserve a better kid uh son you know, all the disappointments I've went through, all the arguments I've caused, all the blackout nights I don't remember, just everything that I've done. And uh, the whole woe is me, like pity party bullshit. Yeah, right. me. Yep. And uh, after 48 hours, I, I turn my phone on. It's uh, 7 after 10 in the morning, March 5th, 2021. And I turn it on. Two minutes later, the phone rings. And I look down and it says Westchester, Pennsylvania. And my first thought is it's a scam because I get them damn calls all day. Long. Right, <laughs> right. But I'm like, you know what, fuck it. I and I pick it up and I'm like, hello. And it's Brandon Novak. And he's like lodging. What the fuck are you doing, dude? And I'm like, I'm cold. I'm hungry. I'm drunk and I'm tired. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Good motherfucker, that's what you need." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "I just got off the phone with your wife and your and your and your mom. I have a plane mm-hmm. ticket set for you this evening, and I got you in the Banyan Treatment Centers down West Palm Beach, Florida. I want you to get on that plane and go down there and get the help you need to save your life." And and I kind of was like, the, "Okay, man. Yup, yup. Okay. I I was just agreeing with him to hang up the phone, so I didn't have to hear hear what he had to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I hung up the phone and." Ten minutes later my wife calls and she's like, Hey, I got off the phone with Brandon. Please come home, take a shower, pack your bags, eat something, and take a nap. Because I had about three hours for the plane left. And I'm like, Okay, okay. So I go home, I take a shower, pack my bags. I couldn't eat and I couldn't sleep. Because now I'm having a full on panic attack. My my anxiety's through the roof. My mind's racing and I'm and I'm thinking about, wow how in the hell did I get my life to a, to a I got to go to Florida to go to mm. rehab. Right. How long am I going for 30, 60, 90 days, six months. I don't know <laughs> yeah. how long I'm going. Yeah. Now, um, now
0: time Now time matters, right?
3: <laughs> right. And, and, and my mind's racing and I'm like, man, I can't fucking do this. I, I can't go to, I can't go to rehab and I'm sitting on my bed and my addiction and my mental illness steps in one last time. And it says, uh, take my hand, come with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, it walks me to the basement of my home. And uh, I throw a rope around my neck and I stand up on a bucket. And about two minutes goes by and my wife realizes I'm not in my bedroom anymore. And she comes down to the basement and she sees me in the corner of my basement with a rope around my neck, standing on a bucket, hysterically crying. She says, what are you doing? I said, I can't do it. I just want the pain to stop. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And she looks at me and she says, Tim, do you know what this will do to your little girls? Right. Please, please get down and get on that plane. Get down. Everything is going to be okay. If you get on that plane. And, uh, 30 seconds go by and I take the rope from around my neck and I fall to the floor and I'm crying and I go upstairs and I call Brandon. I'm like, hey, man, um, I got to go. If I don't go, my addiction is going to kill me. And um, Mm -hmm. I I can't I can't do that to my family. I got to go. And all he says is I'm proud of you. I love you. Call me when you pass security because I want to make sure your ass isn't getting on the cab and and leaving the airport. Right. So my mom drops me off. I get to the airport. and I call him. He says, uh, I'm proud of you. I love you. You're about to get back everything that you've ever lost times 10. And he just simply hangs up. Mm -hmm. As I go to sit down at this chair, waiting for them to call me to board the plane. As I sit down in this seat at the airport, I get this overwhelming feeling that comes over my entire body. It was a warm blanket feeling like drugs and alcohol used to give me. And at that exact moment, when this feeling comes over my body, my worry, my pain, my panic, my anxiety, my fear, all leaves my body. And I hear this calming woman's voice in my head. And she simply says, everything is going to be okay. Something happened to me at airport. When I got on the airport, I was no longer anxious. I wasn't worried. I was ready to get off that airport and start rehab and start a new new chapter in my life. I, I truly believe I had a spiritual experience at that airport, and, and I had a mind shift. Right. When, when I got to the rehab, um, I didn't miss any meetings. I went to extra meetings for military veterans and first responders. I started working out with a personal trainer Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. I completely changed my diet. And one of the biggest things I think that's helped me is I found faith in rehab. Um, there was this guy that would walk around every day and, and he was reading this book and he wouldn't talk to nobody. He wouldn't, you know, just he kept to himself. And one day I said, hey, excuse me. I said, what are you reading? Because he, he literally walked his sandals into nothing. Four, four miles a day he walked around the perimeter of the rehab.
2: Mm-hmm. And he
3: said, oh, I'm reading the Bible. I said oh that's pretty cool he goes yeah it keeps me grounded he goes but i don't push it on anybody else because you know everybody has their own way of of healing he said for for me this helps me he said i'll tell you what he said uh every morning before our first meeting starts at 9 a.m i have a a morning meeting before the meeting he said and i simply just read a word for the day it could be honesty or hope or forgiveness or it's a random word out of the book he said and i read a daily reflection he said, and then I, I say a simple prayer for the day. He said, would you would you like to join me tomorrow morning? I said, you know what? I, I'm willing to do anything and everything to change my life. I will be there. And and I show up the next morning, and he looks at me, and he says, thank you for coming. You're the first person that told me you would show up and actually came.
1: <laughs> and
3: uh, he, the word he read that day was hope. And um, it was so powerful. The, the reading that he read about hope hit me because I was hopeless I was in a dark place and when I gave up hope it nearly cost me my life and um I didn't miss any other day every morning I was at that meeting and his time came to leave and I still had two weeks left in rehab and we had about 15 people at this morning meeting and he said I want this book to stay because you know we grew from five people to 15 and And I really would like this book to stay and I really want to choose somebody to read this book every morning because it's been helping everybody and He looks at me, and he's like Tim. I want you to read the book every morning and I said what I Said why'd you choose me? He said I didn't choose you. He said he chose you. I'm just the messenger man he's like and he hands me the book and the next two weeks I I did the morning meeting and at the end of my two weeks it, it became Easter and I go outside of my my, my little apartment because we actually the place we stayed at was an old Holiday Inn that they turned into a rehab. So I come out <laughs> I come out of my room and I have my book and I go outside to go underneath the pavilion to read my morning meeting. And there's 54 people standing outside waiting to hear my message. And uh, the counselors go over and they walk over to me. They're like, "Um, you can't have this out here." And I'm like, "What do you mean? They're all waiting for it." They're like, "No, we're gonna put it in um." In, uh, in Council Room A because it's so big and they open up Council Room A and, and 55 people go in there and sit down and four counselors come in and we had an hour long reading and we had a lady sing some beautiful songs and one of the uh, counselors was a preacher he read something from the Bible and it, it was just a beautiful thing and when I was done, the counselor came up to me and she said, Tim, I've been here for 20 years. She said that was probably the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. She said, you have something about you when you speak. People listen. I think you should do something with it when you get out of here. And I'm just like, yeah, nah, you no, know, I'm just reading a book that the man left me. I, I didn't do nothing special. She said, no, I think you should share your story. I, I think uh, people need to hear what you have to say. And I'm like, okay, that sounds pretty cool. And I didn't think nothing of it. <laughs> I really didn't. I, I come home and I found my home group. I did 98 and 90, started working the steps, started working, the, you know, living the traditions. I got a sponsor and uh, I really engulfed myself in, in my home group and, and, and you know, doing things after the home group, like going to breakfast and going to dinners with people from the home group and listening to their stories, you know, people with a lot more time than me. Sure. And um, that really seemed to help me. It really seemed to ground me. And about three months in, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do a podcast just for shits and giggles because I think it's pretty cool. I've been listening to podcasts and watching people and listening mm-hmm. to their stories, and so I messaged one. I said, "Hey, would you mind me sharing?" I only got three months sober, three and a half months sober, but I would like to share because I also think it's it's very important for not only the people who have long term sobriety, but I, I really do believe that people with short term sobriety have something to give to the meetings as well. Um, it's a fresh outlook. Um, I know a lot of meetings, they tell you to sit down and shut up and keep your ears open. But
1: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> they, they really do. But for me, you know, some of those new guys, they bring a new perspective. And they also allow the older people with long term to, to kind of remember where they came from. They keep it fresh. And
2: right.
3: So uh, they, they they it was uh, knocking doors down with uh, Jason and Mikey. They contacted me back and. He's like, yeah, man, come on on. So I go on and I do the podcast, not thinking anything of it. Two weeks later, it airs. Four days after it airs, I'm sitting in my truck picking up a kitchen table to go take the Brandon Novak's uh, rehab house. He's got a couple of them in Delaware. Hmm. And, and I'm sitting there waiting for the garage to open so I can load up my pickup truck and the phone rings. And uh, he's like, is this Tim? And I'm like, yeah, who's this? He's like, this is Tony i mean, brother, I don't know no Tonys, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, he's like, no, nah, man. He said, this is uh, profit. I served with you in the Marine Corps in 1990, uh, 1994 to 96. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, dude. I was like, how are you doing? How would you get my number? He's like, I got off of Facebook. I hope you don't mind if I called you. And I'm like, no, nah, man. What's going on? You don't sound too good. He's like, I'm not doing good, man. He said, uh, I've been struggling with opioids for 18 years and alcoholism of been through two marriages I've, you know I've lost kids I've lost jobs and he said man I had to I had to call you and reach out to you um I listened to your podcast and he goes i I live in a Columbus Ohio he said man something you said about not giving up hope and and believing that you know you can you can turn your life around and, and how you've changed your life he said it's given me the strength to to change my life man he goes and I just wanted to tell you I got four days sober after 18 years hmm He said, I had to call you and personally thank you for your message. He said, "Um, if I wouldn't have heard that, I don't think I would have gave me the strength to do this. Right. And he he hangs up. And I sat in my truck for like 10 minutes and I cried. And I was like, holy shit. I just, not only did I reach one person, because that's all I really wanted to do was reach one person. Right. Not only did I reach one person, but I happened to know him personally
1: hmm.
3: How many more people could I reach if I just simply share my story of how bad it was and how good it's gotten? And um, that's what started this podcast journey. Speaking with you, gentlemen, tonight, this is my 68th podcast in 19 hey. months. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, and um, I, I've been interviewed by three magazines. I just did no, a... No,
0: wait wait a second. You did 68? Damn it. See, we I've always done... joke about the 69 thing, man. We
3: could have been the 69 podcast. <laughs> you know
0: what?
3: Here's the, you, know what the, you know what the ironic thing about that is? I was supposed to do a podcast this morning at 10 o'clock. But the, oh. the guy called and asked me to reschedule because he had a family emergency come up. You guys would have been 69 tonight. And, and I was laughing. I said, dude, they're probably going to get a kick out of that shit. And uh, he uh, called me at 10 o'clock this morning and canceled. I was like, ah. So... But well, uh, see, that,
0: that's the thing, Tim. We we live up to our name, and we. <laughs> it, I was just listening to episode clips when we had put together our episode last week, and uh, hitting the yeah the sixty nine percentile we were at with women at one point and all that shit. It's just it's stupid stuff that pops into our head. But yeah, well, here worst case scenario, we could have been right, Mike. That's all that <laughs> right. matters. Is we you been. That's it. could have been.
3: That's it. you know, and and what. I, what I do now to stay sober and stay in recovery, you know, to be quite honest with you, um, sharing my story on these podcasts really do help me. Um, mm-hmm. Sure, it, it, right. it is it is a therapy for me. I still go to my meetings. Um, I, I go, I use my meetings on the weekends now, because um, I, I like, I, I found that balance for me helps me stay grounded mentally spiritually and physically so oh absolutely you know yeah. hey man
2: I, I didn't get sober to sit in church basements
3: absolutely <laughs> no no for real um you know I, I came home I, I went I joined the gym I go to the gym six days a week um, I actually um I was supposed to compete in my first bodybuilding competition in November but it got pushed back to May um <laughs> Four months ago, I competed in a Muscle and Fitness magazine cover uh, competition, and I came in third place out of ten thousand. Holy crap! So uh, yeah, that's that's that was that's a pretty awesome accomplishment. And you know what? I was kind of bummed. I was like, man, first place was twenty five grand. You got the you got the cover the magazine and like two page spread, and you get yeah, all these sponsors. Well, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, my mom calls me, and uh, she's like, Tim. What's wrong? And I said, Mom, I didn't win. She said, Are you kidding me right now, son? <laughs> she's like, you, were, you're a suicide survivor, and you were, right. you were you were on the verge of dying. When I got to rehab, my kidneys and livers were four times what it should have been. Right. Um, yeah. My, Two fucking
2: my, years ago, you're about dead, and wanting yeah. to kill yourself. Right. Yeah. And you come in third, and it's not good right. enough. Right. And she's yeah. like,
3: she's like, son. <laughs> she's like, I- I'm so proud of you. She's like, you need to you need to understand that you won. You're a winner in my eyes. And she hung up the phone, and I'm like, you know what? Perspective. Yep. Right. Perspective. And I was like, yep. I needed that because it changed my perspective big time. I'm like, wow, from where I was, you know, on the verge of having a stroke and, and my liver and kidneys shutting down. Yeah. And, it's just a great and, example of how quickly we forget. Absolutely, you know. And and, <laughs> and and that's one thing that has completely changed for me is my perspective and, and my gratitude. Um, yep. I I, I, I I no longer say I have to get up and go to work. I, I, I have to pay my bills. I have to cut mm-hmm. the grass. I have to go to the gym. I, I say I get to go to yeah, work. I get to. I yeah. get to pay my right. bills and put, fat, put food the, on the table for my family. I get to go to the gym because some people are not physically able. Um, and, and I'm so grateful to have another day alive. man. Um, right. I, I, to, to just wake up in the morning and I, I, that's yeah. how I start my day. I, I say five things I'm grateful for every morning. That that right. helps me tremendously.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do it at the end of the day, but absolutely. I mean, you know, you're talking about going to the gym. That is a muscle we have to work because we <laughs> and we've got to work it, man. Because you know, we uh, again, we'll forget. We'll, we'll we have to force ourselves because it's not our nature. We have to force ourselves to be grateful. We have to force ourselves to put things in perspective yeah absolutely man
3: yeah so, i mean i, I was always like that, that that uh glass half empty like where's the rest of my shit where's the ice cube? yeah why isn't it spilling yeah. over and yep. now i'm i'm so thankful there's something in that cup to quench my thirst i I, yep. I just i'm so grateful that you know i got my kids back i mean like it took mm-hmm. nine I, I have three daughters uh 23 uh 15 and 11 and it took my twenty three year old nine months to even speak to me and she lived in my same oh, yeah. damn house. Well twelve Bill years all about that. Yeah. yeah twelve and, and, uh, twelve years for me. Wow. Years. Wow. Well, yep. and here I am, I'm coming home after thirty two days and I'm like, Why isn't my daughter talking to me? And my wife <laughs> Oh yeah. I'm like, Look at me, I did thirty two days, here's my certificate. <laughs> and
1: That's my wife, what you
3: do. And my wife's like, Are you kidding me? She's like right. you you drank her entire life. She's like, yeah. go to meetings, do your steps. Go work with your sponsor, go to the gym, mm-hmm. like do everything you're supposed to do and just give it time. And yep. six months comes, I'm like, she's still not talking to me. She's like, Tim, just give it time. And <laughs> on my nine months, exactly, I open up my phone and there's a text message from my daughter. She had moved out now and uh, she's living with a boyfriend. And the text simply says, Dad, I just want you to know how proud I am of you. Um, thank you for giving me the time to heal because I know you were healing too. But mm-hmm. I want you to know I love you. And I'm so grateful to have my father back. And to be honest with you, I mean, that, that right there was one of the biggest gifts I've ever gotten in my entire life. No amount of money would ever match that. No amount of fame, fortune, nothing. That was... Right. And it was something that just filled my heart with, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, right. I'm finally doing it right.
2: Yeah, um, well, I mean, we say all the time, it was taught to us, you know, we do good, then we get good. But you know, gotta I, do the good first. You I know, always go thought the other way.
3: you know and that's funny cuz I always thought all that was ball bullshit, you know, all oh, of course. All, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so did we. You know, all that um, <laughs> you know, all the little you know, isms that hang on the yeah. wall at these meetings. Yeah, um, the cliches you know, Yeah, one yep, day at a time, bullshit. keep it simple stupid. Like all this right? shit that you read. <laughs> I'm like, what the, you know, the first couple months I'm like, this is stupid shit? Like what the hell yeah. is all this stuff? Yeah. And then bullshit. it starts happening in your life. And you realize, oh my God, this is for real. Yep. And the more you are aware of how real it is, the more it happens, and the more it just justifies that everything that you're doing now in your life was meant to be.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Well,
3: and there's a and
0: Mike, Mike and I tell when you talked about the the more grateful and all that stuff, and and Mike didn't you know come out and say it, but I've been I've been terrible at that. He's the one that has to tell me, and you know it's it was recent. We were on we were doing an episode. I don't know it was. Three, four, five, five weeks ago, I had it in my head. I'm like, I haven't done anything this summer. I haven't this. I haven't that. And then I'm like, I-, as we were talking, I'm like, you ungrateful fuck. And I'm talking to myself. <laughs> and then Mike says to me, "Yep." And I'm like, you know, can I, <laughs> I, but but that's that's the thing. And with with my daughter and stuff like that. So it was 12 years. I was still drinking when uh, when her and I got estranged. And it was two and a half years sober when. Um, when she actually, or no, a year and a half, I'm sorry. Right. But it, uh, yeah, it was a year and a half sober when, when we connected again. But so I was just talking to my son-in-law. I was up there last weekend. I have a grandchild now. I have a great relationship with my daughter. I walked her down the aisle with her at her wedding. I have a great relationship with her, with her husband. So my son-in-law and I were sitting there talking uh, while we were up there. I was up there last weekend. And just back and forth about a couple of things and whatever. And I said, yeah, I said, you realize, I said, um, I said, Had I not gotten sober, I said, we never even would have met. And he's right like, on. yeah, he goes, well, you're probably right. And I'm like, I'm not probably right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm exactly right. And, and I appreciate him and he, all these people, um, and I don't have, and Mike and I talk about this, you know, a lot of times we've got some things, you know, we've gained some things back and, you know, the, we've gained some cash, we get some jobs and cars or whatever the case is. Right. But, but it's still so difficult sometimes because, you know, our minds are still there where, like you said, you came in third place out of 10,000, but you didn't win. And I'm, here but i'm not there but i want this but i have that you right
1: know?
0: and it's a it is it's a constant struggle and it happened to me shit when was that mike that uh, that i had that when the first time you told me to do a gratitude list what were we two years sober i think yeah, something like man, that something like that I was going out of my freaking mind, pissed off at everything, this and that. And he tells me mm-hmm. he's like, you know, write do a gratitude list. And I did yep. and it helped, you know. And I I haven't actually taken that pen to paper recently, which I should, but mm-hmm. I try to I try to inventory this stuff and just I look at I look at these, you know, so people around me and people have it, you know, so much worse than us, but that's not even the point. It's what I am able to do with my life and be happy with my life. And you talk about the podcast. I don't know how much of our episodes you've listened to. But when we when we started this, um, literally, it was just a whim. We just were going to get on here, talk to each other every Friday as friends, figured, fuck it. If somebody listens, perfect. On top of that, if it helps, like you said, one person,
1: mm-hmm.
0: awesome. So we're, we're now getting feedback. I mean, we're growing, but we're not huge or anything like that. But that's not the point. Some of the feedback that we're getting from people and one of our really good friends just recently, two weeks mm-hmm. ago, Mike. Yeah. Um, the reason the reason that he reached out to both of us. Right. And we're not gonna mention who it is, but he reached out to both of us because he came across our podcast. He knows us, he sees us on Facebook, but in Michael posts our episodes on there. That's the reason he reached out to us. He was struggling and reached out for some help. Yep. You know, that's
2: awesome.
3: and this is
0: a guy this is a guy we've known for eight years now, right? Eight, nine oh, years. Oh, longer forward. than that,
2: man. Yeah. No, he was he came around about a year after we got sober. It's been about Any? ten, eleven years, yeah. Because okay. I had a Facebook memory, and I told him this the other day. I had a Facebook memory popped up that I led for him 10 years ago. Oh, shit. Okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs>
0: So, but I mean, that's, that's part of the thing, Tim, everything that you just talked about. And, and your story is not exactly the same as us, you've done probably all the drugs that Mike did, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, we don't, we didn't bodybuild, we don't combat fight, we weren't in the military, but that doesn't matter that the story that you told and that progression and your mindset and where you're at today. And I mean, it, it just, I, I'm sitting here back. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I mm-hmm. get it. I understand. <laughs> but here's the other thing too. And, and, um explain you're you're involved in a shit ton of groups too i from what I can tell through yes. your instagram page and things like that be I want you to explain a little bit about that because hey let's talk about what you're doing there and those people you're helping but if there's anything that you want us to link whether it's a a hashtag and at somebody or whatever the deal is, we'll put it in our episode description and I put that I'll post that on Instagram and so that'll that'll hit for at least a week after this. Um try to get some, you know, some of that some of that reach. That's what we're here for. I mean we're we want to be able to to help as many people as possible and help other people help people, right Mike?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: One song so, helping
3: another. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a we program. We help each other. That's how this works.
2: First yeah, word
3: First word of the first step.
2: We. That's, it. That's it. We. I
3: mean, it is, and it's. It's. it's I tell you what. Um, we are the most unselfish group of people I've ever met in my life, and, and coming <laughs> right. coming from being selfish and only caring about what what I wanted and what I needed yep. and what I cared about to meeting people that actually genuinely care about you, mm-hmm. um, that took a while to get used to. I'm like, they, they want something from me. You know, <laughs> Hell, they, I'm
2: still trying to get used to it. Yeah, they're, they're looking
3: for something. They want something back. But uh, yep. Right. Now, again, you know that that just shows you how much my life has changed. You know, I started doing these podcasts, and then started getting all these messages from nonprofits and magazines that wanted to interview me, and um, a TV show that wanted to do me for a men's mental health summit, which I did uh, three weeks ago. Um, cool. I just I just got back from California um, two weeks ago. I'm um, I'm partnered with a, a group of guys called the Overwatch Collective. There are two former Marines. One's uh, now a police officer, and one's—they're uh, both in the Coast Guard Reserve. But one's a police officer now, and uh, they started a five hundred one three uh, C three nonprofit um, for right. mental health, addiction, and suicide prevention for first responders and veterans. Because you know, in our line of of work, we see the most trauma, norm, more right. than normal. Um, right, exactly. Sure. And a lot of us are, are alcoholics and drug addicts because we uh-huh. want to know the pain and forget about the trauma and, and act like it didn't happen. Yeah. So they actually asked me to become an ambassador of their 5013, and they flew me out to California, set me up in a hotel. And two weeks ago, I went and I spoke at their event. They had uh, 240 people show up for their fundraiser. We raised uh, $69,530.
2: Our favorite number. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, (laughs) we were
3: able to get 11 uh, military and first responders into treatment and spouses because the spouses also go go through trauma.
2: Absolutely.
3: So we were able to raise that money for them, and they're a great group of guys, and that's something really close to my heart is helping the veterans and first responders Nice. And, and um, also, I work with a company called uh, Rockstar Testimony, and they have a website called Love and Light to the World, and it is a mental health addiction advocacy company. And I actually, through them, um, I run Thursday nights on Zoom at 7 p.m. Eastern. I run a men's mental health and addiction counseling group, and it is open, free to the public. You simply just go onto Love and Light the world.org and click my name for Thursday and register. And at 7 p.m. I I go live and you can join my group and you don't have to share if you don't want to. You can just listen. You can ask questions. And if it's something really serious, like you're contemplating taking your own life at the end of the recording, I I get on and I talk to you personally and I try to get you into a treatment program or talking to somebody that can help help you through that situation. Um, Very cool. It, it's, it's just been yeah, so exactly. awesome. Um, two months ago, I went to North Carolina. The month before, I went to Philadelphia to go speak in Kensington. I don't know if you guys know much about Kensington, Philadelphia, but Mm-mm. it's the heroin capital of the United States.
2: Right, yeah. Actually, it, uh, <laughs> my, my daughter's mom posted a video of that just the other day. That is real. <laughs> um,
3: it. Yep. Dude, I, I have never seen anything like that in my entire life. It is literally... Walking zombies, people are yeah. shooting up Zombieland. on the streets.
1: Yep. They're, they're wow. smoking
3: crack right in front of the police officers, and the police officers are told not to do anything. The only time mm-hmm. a police officer can intervene is if somebody's hurting themselves or somebody else.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, other
3: than that, right. they're free to do the drugs right there on the street. They have sex on the street. It's it is mind blowing to see the addiction and and the trauma and the mental mental health problems that are going on there. Right. So. Right. I went out there to speak. I don't know if anybody heard me, but hmm. I, I went out there and I spoke, and we and we, we took food and clothes to the homeless and right and just tried to get the message out there. Tra- we tried to reach one person, and the cool thing is, yeah. the Plant guy, the seed, man, yeah, the right. guy that runs it. He's been doing it six months. He's been able to get eleven people, uh, no, thirteen now, thirteen people in the treatment centers.
2: Cool, um,
3: and, and that's just what, dude. I was so lost. I didn't know my purpose mm-hmm. in life, and right. when I first got sober, I did the, why did I have to go through 27 years? Why? Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> right. I realized it didn't happen to me. It happened for me. Right, It right. happened so you- for me to become this man I am today. Yeah. With, without that, I, I wouldn't know what gratitude is. I wouldn't know what it, what it was meant to, to have a purpose, and I truly believe it is my purpose now to share my story with as many people as possible in hopes that they know that they're not alone, that mm-hmm. there's there's help out there, they can recover, and they can ultimately live the life that their higher power has always had waiting for them.
2: Nice.
0: Yeah, and uh, Mike was just uh, – we were talking about that with um... – talking? Well, a couple of, I know between ourselves, but also a couple other people, is the fact that uh, all the, and I think Mike put it this exact way, all the shit that we went through, is who we were talking about yeah. that with, you know, we can now use for good. And and that goes for any one of us uh, that gets sober because, you know, like you said, why did it take you 27, 27 years? Mike was 43, I was 41 when, when we got know respectively when we got sober so why did it take you know us until those ages but we can draw back on so many of these things and when we when we talk to people we can explain one way or the other i've been there (laughs) you know and and even if it's again mike has done all the drugs known to man i haven't but it doesn't matter we still ended up in the same place just a slightly Mm -hmm. different you know we, we drove in different lanes on the way here you know yep so um but yeah the the next thing though do you have a and I want to kind of 2 twofold here. Do you have a website that has all those things, or where are all those links, or do you want to get those to us? What is the easiest way, everything you just talked about, to put it in one little, one little piece? What's the easiest way to get that to us? Um,
3: it's, it's on two different websites. So I, I can send it. It's uh, love and theoverwatchcollective.com. That's the two okay. nonprofits that I work with, um, and they have all my information on there. And then, as you know, my, my main page is Instagram. Um, sure. At T Lodge. And that's where I post all my podcasts, my 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 fitness journey, uh, different videos of just how you know my mindset has changed, different quotes, different things I read. Um, just trying to be positive and, and, and spread the message and let people know that they're not alone. And, and yep. you know, the pain that they're going through is nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to be embarrassed nope. about. Um they don't have to worry about somebody you know speaking about them badly or talking about them i know what they're going through i've been there right yep. and, yep, and, and and they're not alone and and i need people to understand that it's okay to share your feelings you know that that whole era of uh you know suck it up buttercup man up all that shit
1: <laughs> you know mm. that,
3: it's, I, you know, I don't want to say it's bad, but it is. I mean, it's good at one point when you're, when you're trying to grow up and you're playing sports and you get hurt, you like suck it up, you know, get back in there. But when it comes time to when, when a real trauma happens in your life, you need to deal with that shit. You, you need mm-hmm. to, um, don't let it compound and compound it to to something that is so overwhelming that you don't want to deal with any of it. Um, right. Hit it head on, take it out, and, and and go on to the next thing that's going to happen because. As we know, life happens on life's terms, and it's going to keep coming. Um, There's, there's always going to be waves. You're going to ride that roller coaster the rest of your life. But how you deal with it is, is is what is what's going to bring. What is how tomorrow's going to come. You know.
2: Yeah, and 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 it's the only. And as we're control freaks, it's the only thing we can control is how we react to things. (laughs) Yes.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Is that uh, you know? I mean, it's it's funny that um, I mean, like you said, you know, life life on life terms and all that sort of thing. Life happens, and that's the one thing that uh, that I don't know. I I guess I re- it's not that I didn't realize it, but I didn't realize that it you know five years sober, or seven years sober, or nine or whatever it is that some shit was going to slap me in the face that I had never <laughs> dealt with before. And it's 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 still it's mind blowing because both Mike and I uh, we've been sober for coming up on twelve and a half years, and we're not done. We're not fixed. Um, nope. No, <laughs> we're, no. no we're, we're, not, we're not recovered. We always right. say we're still recovering. Absolutely. Um, you mm-hmm. know, but, the, but the thing of it is, is I think that, man, I've got, both of us have a whole ton of experience, 12 and a half years of, of experience to deal with things. But there's some shit out there that we haven't dealt with yet. But here's the deal. Somebody else has. You know, yep. and they're and they're a phone call away. You know, and um, I don't know who that person is, but I I can probably call one of I can call one person that can get me in touch with seventeen, and I can get the right. answer. Yep. You know, so um, next thing too, Tim, if you if you want, so as a wrap up to this, shoot me a message with those two websites. Okay. I'll put those in the episode description. Plus, they'll go in as we're promoting the episode this week. They'll go in that description, so they'll be on Instagram. Other thing too, and it's your choice. And we've been offering this to a lot of people. It's not going to cost anything thing take a look at our website it's just simply sober look at the sponsor page if you want us to to put you on there we could do that too okay hey man so the more people be... we reach the better well, and that's that's my thought. But if, if somebody doesn't want to do it, I'm not going to force them. But the whole point is, our website doesn't get a ton of traffic, but it gets enough. And if people pop in there, you give, give me a. You'll see how it's set up. All I need is a picture, okay. And then you can give me whatever write up you want. If I, I can take the write up that we've been using on the promos this you know this week, and then put those website links. There's an area on our website where you can click through one link, so we can put one in the description. One link you want to be able to click through, however you want it. But you tell me and. Other us how you want it set up we'll do that and again we're not looking to profit off of that we've got a handful of people up there right now and um it's just a way for us to you know again continue to get back and you know it's we're all we're spread, all in this together man absolutely spread the
3: word yeah. You know, and, yeah and that's the beautiful thing you know we help each other and uh, the more people we can help the better um, yeah, you know, you've you said what? This is your episode thirty three, right? You you know for a fact that you have at least helped thirty three people, and I and I guarantee you it's probably <laughs> triple that. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Yeah, and it's, uh, and like I said, this is, this has turned into be like, uh, and Mike and I have talked about this, we used to go when I lived in, because uh, I get sober in Cleveland, Mike's still in Cleveland, so I was out there for three years and a few months, and we used to go to this Friday night meeting, this is now our, the equivalent of what our Friday night meeting is, mm-hmm. I still get to, you know, hang out with my buddy, we get to talk back and forth now that we're having guests, we're meeting all these other cool people, you know, which are turning into new connections. It's, it's just, it's great. I mean, it's, it, we know for a fact, all this stuff's helping us. And like you said, if it even helps one person, I mean, it's all worth it.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I'll shoot you uh, I got a couple good guys you should probably have on that would help you out and um, give you some really good perspectives. Um, yes, a cool. couple guys that I speak with and, and they've been through, They've been through war just like we have, and it'd be good to have their message out there as well. And you know, again, it would connect you with some more people.
0: Yeah, and the, and the biggest thing, and let them know, give us uh, or give them their email or give them our email address. See, I can speak, <laughs> right. um, but. But then just have them give, like, same thing I asked you, give us a little bit of the background, what, you, what they want to talk about, and uh, we're more than happy to look at it. Now, we don't know about November, December, but we'll figure it out. You know, we're a little bit open, but we're looking at, um, you know, just having, probably maybe not having guests through that time frame, but one way or the other, the sooner the better. We'll take a look at them and, and work it out. We're always, we, we want to keep doing this with guests. We're not get away from it. So, so what, uh, what do you want to wrap up with? I mean, we're at an hour right now. Uh, we want to keep mindful of that a little bit. But, um, Tim, what else? I mean, what else do you want to share with us as a wrap-up? Anything more you want to share, tell us, wrap
3: up, anything? And the, the biggest thing I, I want to say to people is, is you know, don't lose hope. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've lost hope, and it almost cost me my life. And please, please don't think you're alone. Um, the pain that you're going through is not yours and yours alone. I understand we understand what you've gone through mm-hmm. please reach out to somebody if you or your loved one needs the help that they, they need to save their life because it, the help is out there um, you know, don't be ashamed you know, don't, be, right. don't don't be upset don't be, don't feel guilty don't feel embarrassed those yeah, are right. some things that kept me for a long time getting the help I needed because you know I didn't want anybody to know little did I know I was the only one that didn't <laughs> know about it.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, I believe that's called ego. <laughs> you know, what? I'm
3: glad you said that because uh, <laughs> my mind has diminished severely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. I, yeah. right. I mean, I, mind, I'm not going to lie, mind's I, I still have bit. an ego. I, 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 but the things that I do are not ego fed. They're, they're, um, right. it feeds my heart, it feeds my soul. It's mm-hmm. it's a different fulfillment, it, and it's just incredible. It's, uh right. it's, it's such a blessing to have this life. When my friend told me I would get back times 10, he lied. I, I called him, I, said,
1: <laughs> I said, "Dude,
3: I, I've gotten back a hundred times, and shit just keeps yep. coming my way. I just don't even yep. understand it." And he said, that, he said, "Tim, that's how it works." He yes said, it is you give out good and you get it back times 10 i said i always thought yep. that was bullshit he said no man he said, that, that's how this works so it's yep, incredible exactly
2: doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense to us man <laughs> we we, try, we do things for other people and our lives get better yeah. how the fuck does that work hey, imagine that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well tim um obviously we we appreciate it this has been yeah. uh it's been a great conversation
3: and mm-hmm.
0: um have you ever listened to an ending of our podcast? I haven't or...
3: listened to your ending. I've listened to probably about okay. 12 of your clips because that's what drew me into you guys because you guys were funny as shit right. and you were saying, oh man, I, I relate to these guys. Okay, this is cool.
0: No, that's cool. The only reason I'm saying it, Mike, Mike's about to get a little mouthy, and we're just going to do the separation, because <laughs> we just had all that stuff that was just said that Tim said. Just don't don't hold Tim accountable for what Mike's going about to say, because he gets right. a little mouthy at the end as part of our fun, um, but he always wraps up the podcast. But my question to Mike always, always is, Mike, anything else on your mind tonight? Not a goddamn thing. <laughs> alright well we will let uh, uh, Tim we're going to let Mike wrap up and then uh, then you get to hear this hear this ending that we
2: do so. and we're I got ready. an extra special one this week too <laughs> so thanks to uh, Kathy um, so thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Sober Not Mature thank you Tim for coming on and sharing your story of hope with us we really appreciate that and uh, as always be kind to each other be good to each other Do something nice for somebody else this week. And as always, please, please, and here's the extra special one, direct from Kathy, please fuck off. Then keep fucking off. Keep fucking off until you get to a gate with a sign saying, you can't fuck off past here. Climb over the gate, dream the impossible dream, and keep fucking off forever. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and tim kathy's our sister she uh she sent us that
0: that meme the other day mike usually just does a quick fuck off but then yeah our sister sent that to us so our family's as sick and twisted as us which is, yes, all, they which are. is awesome that's great
1: <laughs> but
0: ser- seriously tim thank you uh very very much mike um as always i love you brother we'll talk love soon you too, and, man. Uh, yeah thank you and uh good night everyone thank you gentlemen As always, thank you for listening to another episode of Sober, Not Mature. To access all of our content and interact with us, please visit our website, SoberNotMature.com. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you soon.